0: Welcome to the Live Big Podcast featuring Dr. Derek Greer, where we teach principles from God's Word that will empower you to live big. For more information, visit DerekGreer.com. Here's Dr. Greer. We're going to begin in 1 Samuel 30 talking about the Amalekites. The Amalekites are this nation of people that always seem to show up at the worst of times, no matter how many times the Israelites defeat them. They keep coming back. They're like the demonic energizer bunny. They just don't quit, and they keep coming. How many of you have ever had problems like that? You defeat it one time, but then it keeps coming back. How many? Yeah. Yeah. Well, what we're going to learn today is how to, hallelujah, we bless your Lord Jesus. We honor you. Church, you're not about to hear a sermon. You're about to hear a word from God. I need you to receive it as a word from God. I'm not trying to wax eloquent. It's not what I'm trying to do. So the word that applies, you take it, believe it, receive it, and run with it, okay? All right. David and his men reach Ziklag on the third day. It's about a 50-mile journey. Now, the Amalekites had raided the Negev at Ziklag. They had attacked Ziklag and burned it. What happens here is David leaves his uh, supplies unguarded as he goes to uh, band with the, phallis, the Philistines against Israel. And fortunately, they sent him back home because they're afraid that he might uh, change his colors and actually agree with the Israelites and King Saul in particular and begin to fight against the Philistines. So uh, he's sent back home. And uh, the scripture says, they raided Ziklag and had taken captive the women, all who were in it, both young and old. They killed none of them, but carried them off as they went on their way. Verse 3, when David and his men came to Ziklag, they found it. Imagine leaving to go to work one day and returning to find your wife gone, your house burned down, your dog dead, uh, your, 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 your checkbook stolen, and your kid arrested on drugs charge. Imagine what that day might be like in your life. Well, this is the situation of David at Ziklag. He went out to to do what he thought was the Lord's bidding. He was a man of war, and he went out to do what warriors did. He came back home, and he found his whole camp burnt, and everyone in his house captive. Has anyone in this room ever been burnt by anybody in this room? Yeah. He had an unguarded moment where he wasn't watching his back. And in that unguarded moment, these Amalekites rise up and attack him in his weakness, the Bible says they found it destroyed by fire, and their wives and their sons and daughters taken captive. is a man of God. You say, if you're a man of God, how can such things happen? The reality is, I don't care how much you love God, you're gonna face some things in this life. Do you hear what I'm saying? But as we sung today, praise is what what we do. It's not just what we do in the good times, it's not it's what we do sometimes. It's our who it's who we are, it's what we do. And there'll be moments in your life, no matter how spiritual you are. I don't care what your title is. I don't care how far you've grown in God. That, you know, sometimes we praise God for what we have. Those are great times. Those are lovely moments. But then there are times all we can do is praise him for what we have left. And David reached this high hour right before he was promoted. Now, David, since he was 16, he was anointed to be king. Imagine living your life and running around knowing that you have anointed to be king. But you spend the, the, the most of those, you know, he was, he actually sat on the throne around 30. Actually, the Bible states it was 30. But he spent most of those years running from Saul. Saul was trying to kill him, and uh, he, he was running from his life. I mean, he got so depressed in mind sometimes, he, he feigned being a madman. The Bible said that saliva running down his beard. He acted like he was crazy, and, and he went through all these, these very, very difficult times. And all that time, by the way, was preparation for his coronation. And he reaches now this place where if you read the Bible carefully, you'll understand that As Saul, the guy that's been pursuing him, the guy that was uh, still king, was fighting his final battle, David now comes into the most serious battle of his life. They're all happening at the same time. Saul can hear from God, and we're going to discover that David continues to hear from God. It's not your circumstances. It's your relationship with the king. Are you tracking with me? You also note from this text that the greatest opposition, the greatest challenges come Right when God plans to promote you or elevate you, are are you tracking with me? And, you know, some of you in here, you're facing some things, or or perhaps you've already faced some things, and and you didn't quite understand what was happening, but but while you were being challenged, God was preparing you for a crown, and you were just moments away if you hung in there from a new crowning achievement, stepping into that place of your destiny and assignment, okay? Okay. So we have these pictures and we don't have time to develop Saul. But Saul's fighting here, this backslidden king. But here's David. He's about to face the darkest night of his soul. And the dark night of the soul comes before every progression forward. Without labor pains, there's no baby. That's just the way of the world. That's why it is groaning without utterance all the time, sometimes, because we got to go through that before the breakthrough. In the fallen world, that's just the way of things. No pain, no gain. It's just the way it is. So here we find them coming back to the camp in verse four. So David and his men wept aloud until they had no strength left to weep. This is not a gentle cry. These men are near Eastern men. They're much like the Arab world there. They, 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 they live from the gut and from the heart. And when a Hebrew wept, it was loud. It was boisterous. And, and these are mighty men of war, guys that do, you know, push-ups and calisthenics every day. These are guys that screamed in battle. And the Bible said they wept until they had no strength. These guys, though, as tough as they are, they were in touch with their feelings and that's important too as we you know we go through life you you, you can uh get a little calloused you can become unfeeling or, or lose your sense of feeling because of the things that happen but this situation was was so difficult that it even caused grown men to cry and life can hit you that way that as grown as you think you are as much as you think you live this thing hit you so hard got you crying like a baby weeping and bawling like a five-year-old. You hear what I'm saying? It says here that David and his men wept aloud until they had no strength to weep. 600 men, just 600 men crying and falling out and throwing dust in the air. That's the way they did it, ripping their garments. It's a sight to behold. And then there's a parenthetical statement in verse five where The writer by the Holy Spirit wants to reiterate David's loss so you understand where David is. It says David's two wives have been captured. We can ascertain that, but the Bible's saying this because he wants you to focus in on David here. All the men are crying, but David has also suffered personal loss. Ahino of Jezreel and Abigail, the widow of Nabal of Carmel. In verse 6, David is weeping, but as a leader, you'll learn that you want to be transparent with people And it's important to be feeling, but we also need to know when we've stayed at the sheep's table too long. You also need to know when you reveal just a little bit too much. And David is here weeping, and he's caught up in his distress and the loss of his men. But in the midst of this weeping, as I said in the first service, when you were a kid, you remember crying so long that you can't even, there ain't no noise left and kind of fall asleep. And even if you sleeping, but you got that going, you remember that? Yeah. Everybody in the room remember that. See, our generation, mom and daddy will beat you. So we understand that. I don't even know if my kids understand that. But also at the end of that crying, you get that ice cream headache, you know, like you ate ice cream too fast. It's almost blinding, you know. It just, oh, it's, it's awful. So all these guys, the 600 men. They got the ice cream headache. And then they everybody's walking around. they all dirty because the dust was thrown up. They caught, their clothes all ripped up. Everyone's sweating and perspiring. And it's like this. But but David's still crying, but he noticed everyone keeps looking his direction. All 600 men. And then he starts hearing whisperings, a little rattling of the swords. And David suddenly realizes that this group of vagabonds, that at one time the Bible called them uh, men that were... Uh, 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 disenchanted and, and uh, uh, disaffected, men, men that were indebted. He raised these men up to be mighty warriors. They were nothing. and Suddenly, all eyes are on him. These are the guys he ate meals with. These are his best friends in the world. The Bible also states that his natural brothers had already left and joined his company. So this means also family had turned against him. So his brothers were also gritting on him. And even the Bible, it doesn't say that his brothers actually took swords, but I'm going to tell you, the brothers weren't stopping the men. And these guys, again, the guys he ate with, the guys that he gone through intrigues with and, and challenges, and, and and these same guys were looking at him with the evil eye. And in reality, as a leader, as a parent, it may not be your fault, but it's always your responsibility. You know, I can delegate as many tasks and jobs as I want, but I can never delegate responsibility. And that's one thing you got to learn as a leader. All the men are looking at him, and the Bible says here, David was greatly distressed because the men were talking of stoning him. So these men are now picking up rocks. David is suddenly alone. He could have sat on his hands, felt sorry. Oh, God, you know, I raised these guys up. How is, and let me tell you, how soon people forget That's just the reality. That's why you got to walk in love and love folk. Because folk will forget you in a minute. But don't do it for folk. Do it for God. God will never forget. He's not unfaithful that he will forget. He will not forget. So don't get your eyes on what people see and do. God will remember. It goes on to say that these originally discontented men that were in debt, each one was bitter in spirit. And these 600 brothers now seem more like a mob it's lieutenants we talking about. It's his fault. If he would have been a good leader, he would have left uh, uh, people, men to guard our rations. He would have thought ahead. And all of a sudden, the fingers are pointing, and all the lieutenants are right there saying, yeah, yeah, that's the man. Get him. And now they're reaching into the dirt. And, and you see, you get pictures of people picking up little stones. They, they didn't stone you with little stones. They get these big old great stones. And what they would do is usually they crush your chest first, lay you down, and then they would start crushing other parts of your body. So the picture is you have these 600 burly men coming at David, incredible situation. But the next verse is key. When the going gets tough, do you just get going? Many of us are runners. When we get on the little, we just run. And we we run away, we run to the next place. But this was not the habit of David's thinking or of his heart. Matter of fact, I couldn't have blamed David if he ran. But instead of running from the man, you'll find in the next passage, he ran to God. The verse says, but David found strength in the Lord his God. Now, you could hear this message today, and you could say that was a great message, and you run into trouble, and then you expect that, okay, David found strength in his God, so now I'm going to find strength in my God. Well, if that's the conclusion you leave here with, I would have... Preach the text wrong. It says here that David found strength. From my limited understanding in life, I understand that typically when I lose something, what I do is retrace my steps. I go back to where I originally lost it. Are you hearing me? Also, something being found implies that they once had it in order for it to be what? Lost. This means David operated in a level of strength. There was a, there was a stamina in his personality but the, the circumstance was so besetting and overwhelming I mean, he't wept you know he, he lost his strength so what did David do? he traced his steps back to what he did the last time when he was in the presence. you see what you learn anyone that's going to excel in any area, you, you, you practice as you're going to play or perform. You know, a singer, if a singer just practices half the song, when the singer gets up, they're probably just going to sing half the song because we tend to do what we practice. We're just that way. If you practice sloppy, you're going to play sloppy. That's just the reality. But David, he was in a crisis situation, and he was able to mentally retrace his steps back into the presence of God. You see, he had a practice of worship. Praise was not something he did sometimes. It was not something he did only on Sunday mornings. Praise was his who. The Bible said God's eyes are going through the earth. He is seeking true worshipers that would worship him in what? Spirit. He's speaking men that, that the praise or the do comes out of their who. It was part of his. Character. It was part of his nature. So when trouble came, he just did what he automatically and always right. did. Right. We talk about getting our praise on. And, and that's okay to get our praise on. But the reality is it should never be off for us to have to put it on. Are you with me? But David obviously lost his praise because the joy of the Lord is my strength. So the circumstances stole his joy. But him in his lightning fast mind, he said, listen, I remember when I last had my joy and my hands were extended toward heaven. My face was looking up toward God. So if I'm going to find that joy, I need to retrace my steps, get my praise back. Are you hearing me? And my strength will return. It says he found strength. Sunday is basically your training field for the rest of the week. You have the band and the worship leaders to coach you into the presence, to lead you and to help you. You have hundreds of people in the room to to kind of cheerlead and pull for you as you go. But that's just practice. That's not the real game. Because after you showered and brushed your teeth, put on your nice clothes, it's easy to praise. It's when husbands got on your last nerve, it's when your child's acting crazy. It's when you don't have m- m- enough money to, 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 to pay your, your mortgage. and you understand, That's when practice is supposed to kick in and make perfect. Practice makes perfect. How many of you want perfect praise? Begin to practice. David found strength not in his comrades. I enjoy fellowship with other men in particular. I enjoy being around people. It strengthens me. But there are times in your journey you're going to be by yourself. Ain't no way around it. Matter of fact, God does set you up for this moment because this is the final test before you graduate into your next level. He was about to be crowned king, and he had to show himself manly to enter into this office. And so, I don't care. You love, you love mama. Thank God mama prayed. But this last mile, you got to walk alone. You got to walk alone. Ain't no way around it. You say, Pastor, always had a word for me. I don't this time. How come you ain't encouraged encourage me? Not my place. Some tests you got to pass yourself. Last I checked, I ain't nobody's God. I ain't nobody's Savior. I do my job, but can't give you nothing more, and I'm trying not to give you anything less. But David found what he lost. How many know how to find something when all hell is breaking loose? How many have had enough practice so you can retrace your step back into the presence you had? How many know how to get back? How many even been there to get back to? How many of us have had a genuine experience with our creator that when trouble comes and you're all distressed and you're like, this ain't the way I supposed to be. This ain't who I really am. I'm going back to God, that place in him. That's sure and certain. You're hearing what I'm saying? Yes. Yes. David found strength. I talked about Jesus on Wednesday Bible study. Bible said after Gethsemane. Let me tell you, the Bible tells the truth. But the Bible said, Jesus said in the garden he said, and he's sweating droplets of blood he said, my God, my God He said, my soul is overwhelmed to the point of death, And that's serious stuff, that's, I mean he was depressed, overwhelmed, this is Jesus the guy that walks through, Christ. this is Jesus, so don't tell him he don't know what you're feeling, oh God you don't understand my depression, what you mean he said, my soul is almost killing me, he didn't say I'm committing suicide He's saying, I am on the inside. I'm beginning to self-destruct. I'm so opposed to sin, and I'm about to take on the sin of the world, and my inside is recoiling and rebelling, and I'm breaking up on the inside. How many ever broke up a little bit on the inside? Jesus knows exactly where you are. The Bible says that after that time, the angels came and ministered to him. You kind of wonder, what did the angels do? We read on Wednesday." That there's a myriad of angels when you come to Mount Zion, all of us at Mount Zion, we're all here, in joyous assembly. And in that passage, we see something of what angels do. One of their assignments, I know they go to war and all that, but you know, the joy of the Lord is is our strength and that does make you strong in war. But, But what they do is they bring joy. The Bible further says in the book of Hebrews, Jesus endured the cross for the joy set before him. Meaning this Jesus is almost falling apart, but this angel's presence comes and he feels the joy of the father. Why didn't the father do it personally? I don't know. Maybe because he's about to carry the sin of the world and God's got to put that judgment on him. So I know God releases an angel, but with that angel comes joy. Are you hearing me? In your presence is fullness of what? And in that joy is strength. So David, he found strength in the Lord, his God. At some point in your journey, it can't be about the church you go to. It can't be about how big your Bible is. It can't be about the Bible studies you attended and all the little brownie points and, you know, stuff that you got. At some point, God has to be your personal God. At some point, thank God for sister so-and-so, brother so-and-so's testimony. But, Lord, I need my own. This is deeply personal. He found strength in his God. Now, the Bible states in the next verse that after he finds strength in God, he starts taking control of his situation by reaching out to God in a real specific way. You see, see, when he was all weeping and crying, I mean, God loved him and he was there. But it wasn't until he began to come to himself and possess his soul that God is now ready to do speaking. Sometimes, because we're religious, we say, if I cry long and loud enough, and, you know, some ladies, you know, y'all go to, especially young girls, you go in the mirror. Whenever you cry, you got to go in the mirror so you can look at your face. You see all the mascara because, you know, just something, you know, and you're like, wow, if I saw such a pitiful face, I'd have to do something. But the reality is God's not religious. The Bible doesn't say that he's necessarily going to respond to our tears, but it does say he's going to respond to our prayers, the effects fervent prayer. They say a crying person, but a righteous person. That's right. That's right. None against crying. Need to cry sometime. Mm-hmm. Trouble in my way, you yeah. <laughs> know? Gotta cry sometime. Good song. Sometimes you gotta cry. At some point, you need to dry them doggone eyes. That's right. Come on. Get up and get it straight. Are, are you hearing what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. He said, bring me the ephod. Abiathar brought it to him. So again, David takes control by getting God back into the middle of things. And David inquired of the Lord. And he said, shall I pursue this raiding party? Will I overtake? Do you see a change in attitude? This is not a, oh God, what? No. This is the part of the movie, if you're a cowboy fan, where it goes. You have been listening to the Live Big Podcast with Dr. Derek Greer. For more information, visit DerekGreer.com or follow Dr. Greer on social media.